You're listening to Homeschool for One. You can teach an only child at home. Join us as we discuss the unique parts of this homeschooling journey. The Homeschool for One podcast music is brought to you by The Word in Worship. The Word in Worship is a music ministry started by Jonathan and Emily Martin in Nashville, Tennessee, whose heart and passion is to create music saturated with the Word of God and resources to help fuel a life of worship. They create blogs, videos, and devotions, and in all they create, Jonathan and Emily aim to show that God's Word is not dull, stale, or boring, but beautiful, powerful, life-giving, and helpful. You can find them out online at www.thewordinworship.com to hear their music and to check out all their resources. This is episode two, How Does It Work? Pam and I are going to tell you about how it works for us on a daily basis and how all of that adds up over time. How do we make it work? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. If only. Barely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm the schedule maker and you're not, so we know that. (laughs) I think I need to tell you this, starting on Tuesday, which was yesterday, and we didn't start, (laughs) but whatever. I told her, starting on Tuesday, we're going to have a checklist of all the things that we need to do and we're going to get it done. And she goes, yeah, mom, we've tried that before. It doesn't work. My schedule's kind of been thrown out the window because Monday, Meg woke up and she didn't want to have school. And I was... Oh, that was my Monday too. In my mind, I had all these household tasks. She didn't want to have lessons. So I went for the get stuff done. Yesterday morning, we had to take our cat to the vet and have him put to sleep. This morning, I wake up and we wake up late. And I've been on my phone too much this morning. And I've wasted a lot of time. I'm like, okay, this week is pretty much shot. Yeah. How do I make it work on a daily basis? The number one thing would be just reminding myself that my full-time job is that I am a homeschool teacher of my child. And if I can remember that and keep that in the forefront of my mind, I do really good. But Monday, I wanted to be a home manager. And yesterday, I had to be mom of a dead pet. And today, I'm just random scatterbrained. On a daily basis, if I remember that my occupation is being a home educator, then our daily schedule pretty much works all the time. But when I forget that is when we get off track. I had been in the school system for so long that when I began to homeschool my daughter, I didn't see that as a job. It took some mental transition. I do make a weekly schedule for our six weeks lesson cycles. I have the full year of 2019 on a calendar on a regular sheet of paper. I just check off the days that we do our lessons and that kind of keeps me on track. It also helps me get frustrated enough with myself to get back on track. If I can remember that I am her homeschool teacher and keep a written schedule and I track our days that seems to keep everything going and flowing the way I want it to. (laughs) I have to remind my husband that in order for me to be successful and feel good about myself on a daily basis is to have routine. When my routine falls apart is when I begin to drop into low periods of depression. So I have to be very careful of that just on a mental health angle. 
that's one area that I really lack in is the daily schedule and routine. But it's also an area that I want to improve on. I think what you said about your occupation is a home educator. I mean, I've known this, that it is a job. This is one of the misconceptions of homeschooling is that you're at home. And so you're not doing anything. And it's really, really, really hard to not be interrupted. Our first year homeschooling, I let anything and everything interrupt us. And by the time the spring semester rolled around, I was like, I'm done. Not like I can't do this anymore forever, but I need a huge break. So I took four or five months off to kind of regather myself. When people ask me, what do you do? I no longer say I am a stay-at-home mom or I am a work-at-home mom because I am both. My response is I homeschool my daughter and I teach private voice lessons. That way, homeschooling is job number one. The teaching of private voice lessons is just a part-time job, but it's income, whereas the homeschooling job is not producing income. No. (laughs) No, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. And I only say I wish... Because two-income families are now the norm. As somebody that worked a full-time job, a part-time job, and volunteered endless hours to go from having that income to not, is it's a lifestyle change. I meet other homeschool moms who do not consider that as their job. They do allow things to get in the way. And what I have learned, especially in the past year is that when I consider homeschooling my job number one, I protect the time that we have to homeschool. And when I take that out of focus, then I will let anything like this week interrupt. It's not that you never have interruptions. If they're constantly happening, yes, you're never going to be at home. One of the problems with having an only child is because we can just pick up and go and we don't have to put four kids in the car and you can quickly get out of the house. I'm going to be honest and say my child sometimes takes 10 minutes to put on her shoes, even when they're pull-on sandals. Sitting right in front of her. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I can't find them. They're right there. But those aren't the ones I want. Those are the ones you're wearing. Let's go. (laughs) Mom, I can't find this. I don't know. I don't wear it. Or she has to put 10 million things into her purse yes. that are completely oh. irrelevant to where oh we're gosh. going and what we're doing. Yes, nothing is relevant. <laughs> that is so true. You were going to talk about curriculum. How do you make curriculum work for you? I think using curriculum flows nicely into the daily schedule aspect because a lot of curriculums are daily. So... I open up a book and I go to day 15 and so we do day 15 or we do two pages we read a chapter and then we're done Mm -hmm. so well I may not have it all written out nice and neat like you do (laughs) (laughs) because I'm crazy that's how my brain works I have to put it down and I just open it and yeah and that freaks me out (laughs) But you're already doing that because you just wrote it down and then went and got the book. Right. Exactly. I just skipped the writing it down. I just go to the book. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. I think that's just habit for me. I like checking off boxes. It makes me happy. (laughs) I have a stack of books and just go through them. 
one by one, right? That's basically my daily schedule. And I often let my daughter choose which one she wants to do first. And she's pretty consistent in the order that she wants to do things. I think that having that curriculum ready to go is what helps me keep on track. Sometimes things go missing if she decides she wants to do her math on her bed. I don't know how she can lose her lesson book when it's on her bed for a week. And then I go into her room and within 20 seconds I find it. Sorry, I just dealt with this. (laughs) So it's very fresh. It's, It's so true. So what were you going to say about curriculum? Sometimes it takes a while to find the right curriculum. So something might be appropriate for you, but not for your child. And something might be appropriate for your child, but not for you. It took a long time to understand that it's okay that if this isn't working, to put it aside and try to find something else. Mm. 20 years ago in the homeschool world, there wasn't much to choose from. No. But now... There's floodgates and there's something new every day coming out and you could be spending a ton of money for everything and not use any of it. Anything that looks pretty, you could buy. And I know that larger families, they choose a curriculum that they can use for all the children, you know, that they can use over multiple years. And financially, that is better. The hard thing for homeschooling an only child is you can get caught up in this is not working right now, so I'm going to find a new curriculum. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to find another one. And you keep interrupting the flow, and you never get the full benefit of what an entire curriculum can actually do for your child. Yeah. If you're not willing to commit to it. Well, there's this really honest idea that if you stay committed to something, you may actually see progress. And I found that with several of our curriculums, I feel like we're beginning to see the progress of being in there for three years. I think that seeing the difference between having a bad day or a bad week, seeing that it is actually not working is two completely different scenarios. Right. You know, and I know that I've been guilty of jumping curriculums where something was working, but something was prettier. And I've gotten over that now because I just want to get it done. In our math curriculum, I had to recognize that she was saying, I don't get it. And I would say, well, you don't understand it yet. And I had to use that language so that we could keep going. I just kept staying with it because I knew we had hurdles to jump. And I wasn't going to allow myself to look at something else just because she was complaining. Yeah. I think that's also why some homeschoolers choose video curriculum. Their kid sits down to a computer, they pick up the next episode, and they go. And if they need to interrupt it, they can. That's something that does not work for my daughter. Well, I can't do it because it's not personal connection. And my daughter wants face-to-face time with me. The other way that I make it work is I look for the positive outcomes. I've taken some time to get some training under my belt. Training as to how to keep a daily schedule. Training myself to teach better. And as a former teacher, when you're on your own, you can choose what works and what you want to spend money on. And you can find a whole bunch of free stuff. I enjoy that part of learning myself so that I can teach her better. One of our curriculums has a lot of videos that when we began the curriculum, I watched all the videos to train myself about how to teach her. And it was so much worth my time. The other thing that I can say that has happened in the past year positively is just being 
consistent every single day. Someone said to me, it's easier to do school than it's not to do school on the days, not this week, but where I don't want to do it or she doesn't want to do school. I just say to myself, it's easier to do school than not. And that will keep me going back to the lessons. I feel like the positive outcomes have to channel through me. If I'm always negative, then I'm not teaching anything good. But I train myself so that I can teach better. I try to be more consistent. One of the most important things to me in positive outcomes is just building relationships with my daughter. Whether it's in math or reading or social studies, I am giving her information and that is part of our relationship. What's your second way of making it work every day? It is to trust the process. There are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. Even when you persevere through those times, it's good for both of us. I had picked out a book for her that I knew she could read, that I knew would be interesting for her. It was a big book, but I wanted to challenge her. And she completely broke down. She wanted to read the book. She thought it was interesting, but the words were too small and the book was too big. And so she cried. We talked about the different books that we had that she could read. And so she went and picked one out. And I said, okay, tomorrow we'll start this book. So we sit down the next day, pick up the book. She doesn't want to read that one. She wants to go back to the one that she read on Monday. I was just like, are you kidding me? And she read it near perfectly. So I was right all along. But sometimes you can doubt yourself. I've learned that you do know your child and you do know when they need to be challenged just a little bit more. So some days are tough, but in the process comes the reward. I have to trust her that she knows herself. It's a fine line. Does that come with age? Has she always been that way? She's always been that way. It's grown with age as well, I think. Okay. And she's had a life plan since she was four. One example was the reading curriculum that we were using. It's one of the more popular reading curriculums. It was not working for her. Mm. We switched to another curriculum, the one you're using. It was night and day. Mm -hmm. The same sounds, the same words, but the approach was different. Right, right. And she started making progress. I tried to persevere through this. Months went by where it was not working. She was not making any progress at all. Well, this is the best of the best. Well, it wasn't the best of the best for her. And I liked it because it was scripted, but not for her. Um, and once we switched, night and day. She loved it. I think that is one of the biggest struggles that I've had in, in being a home educator is finding what works for her versus what works for me, because I am so type A. I have to recognize that she is so much like her father in her learning experience. How does my type A teacher go with her type B learner? How do I make it work would be about limitations. I think limitations can be very negative. That's why it's called a limit. It's all about how to make it more positive and how to approach it. Our limitations are based on a clock, honestly, and how I see time. I want so badly to get all of our lessons done by two o'clock every day because I start teaching private voice lessons at three o'clock. And three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm teaching private voice lessons starting at three o'clock. My brain better be on for that because I'm going to teach till nine o'clock. And so I'm working six hours straight after I've taught and been a mom. It, it's a 12-hour day, which is why I consider this a job. <laughs> 
I want in my mind to get started by eight o'clock. The days that we do start by eight o'clock, we're done by noon. Nine out of 10 days of lessons, we start at 10 o'clock in the morning and we end about 1.30. That's a normal day for us. And that's even with a big break in the middle. That's with everything that I have on the lesson plan. It takes about three and a half hours. But I get a little bit anxious around one or two o'clock because I need a mental break to stop and regroup for my voice lessons. And I would consider that to be the case for anyone who has to go to work when you have to switch gears and go from a homeschool lesson into whatever your work is. That's a limitation because you have to know how to do that and how much time it takes you to do that. My husband is a night owl through and through. I used to consider myself a morning person. However, homeschooling has made me more of a night owl. And when I was teaching in the classroom, I I was in bed at 10 o'clock every night. Now, if I go to sleep before one o'clock, I consider that a luxury. And I'm usually awake by nine. And then we've started our lessons about 10. And I don't love that schedule for myself, but it's what works for our family. It is how I would say it's a limitation because I have to mentally wrap my head around that schedule and say it's okay. Okay as in it's acceptable and not mediocre. Because I spent a good year and a half thinking that I was not succeeding in homeschooling because my schedule was not starting at eight o'clock in the morning. And so many other people were doing eight o'clock in the morning. Well, I don't know who those so many other people are, but I'm not one of them. So I find that a limitation is how I interact with other people and how I create positive answers for what I do. When other people talk about, well, what's she learning? Because, you know, some people have the idea that if you're homeschooled, you're smarter than everybody else or you're ahead of the game. That's not necessarily true. So what I try to do is say, you know, this is what we're learning about right now. If you've heard the saying, comparison is the thief of joy, it definitely is. I have to create those answers of this is what we're learning right now. So that I don't get caught up in the comparison of what public school and private school kids know and what my kid knows. I don't consider my child behind in any subjects right now. She's where she needs to be. If we want to talk about, well, what are you learning? We're learning multi-column addition. And we're learning about France this week. We're learning what a sentence is. Some people would say, well, you should have learned what that is in kindergarten or first grade. And I, I don't really care when she should have learned about it. She's learning about it right now. And she's learning about it the way that I choose for her to learn it. And she's learning it well. It's about looking at it as a limitation and turning it around and making it more positive so that naysayers out there, they don't have an argument for when you get right to the point. I think that people don't understand homeschooling, and so they don't understand the process. When my daughter was younger, I worried a lot about her education. I wanted it to be perfect, and I've come to realize that's never going to happen. She's never going to read all the books that I want her to read. One of the things that I do outside of home education is I volunteer in an after-school program. My daughter comes with me because she goes wherever I go. That's right. It's a program for at-risk kids, but she comes and she participates. And it's been really good for her in that she's needed the practice in reading. What I've found is that she is not behind. These are just average kids. And so it made me feel as though I wasn't as much of a failure as I thought I was. So a lot of homeschool parents often promote everything good that their child is doing, and there's nothing wrong with that. On the other hand, if that's all that 
the other homeschooling moms are seeing, that can make others feel awful. Well, I think that's why I focus on what's happening right now mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't allow me to brag. It doesn't allow me to feel bad about myself. I'm still figuring this out, I, especially this week. You were going to talk about how you've made a co-op work. More than just co-op, but relationships with other people outside of your family. Having that support for yourself, for your child, even for my husband. We have four families that get together every Monday and we do history and science. And it's all day long. There's lots of playtime, lots of time for the moms to talk and to have that camaraderie together. The children and the moms also see each other at various times throughout the week at different activities. Every couple of months, everybody gets together, dads included, and we have a big family game night and we have worship time together. It's been something that I don't know how I survived without it. I do know how I survived without it. I broke down a lot because I needed that camaraderie. I certainly don't know who else is out there around me that homeschools an only child that is seven years old. And that I feel like I'm still learning When my daughter was seven, we were in a very similar situation. These people do become your family. In Mm -hmm. fact, the the kids have all melted our names together. Oh, I love that. I love... What do they call you? The built. Because there was three families, and then there's another one that came in, so they changed it to the Archibilts. And so when we're all together, that's who we are. They recognize that this is something special, too. It's very important to us that that we maintain these relationships. One of the things that we do is, for Mondays, our co-op day, it's just us four, and... But to maintain that level of intimacy, we can't have 103 children running around. People think that a co-op situation has to be large, where you have to have 100 families or you have to have 20 families to have a co-op. They want this big, spectacular co-op overlooking something that they could really be missing out on where in this situation they have the opportunity to develop those relationships just this last monday i was teaching science and we were making butter and one of the boys it was his turn to shake the jar and we were doing one minute intervals so he was up there doing the floss while he's shaking his cream to make butter and my daughter got up there and wanted to do it with him he pushed her away and said, no, go away. I want to do this. So there's those opportunities you don't necessarily have in an only child home. He just wanted his opportunity to do his thing for that moment. And she was interrupting him. He wasn't being cruel. He was just saying, hey, it's my turn. Go away. Where at home, it's always her turn. <laughs> to wrap up, how do we make it work? I make it work with a a daily schedule and really looking for positive outcomes through what I bring to the table and also looking at limitations and how I can turn them into positive outcomes. And you make it work. I make it work with choosing curriculum that works for us Mm -hmm. with trusting the process, trusting myself, trusting my daughter Mm -hmm. and with relationships outside our home. Mm, That's good. If you could ask our listeners to do one thing this week, 
And I would encourage them to reach out to at least one of their family to get together on a regular basis with them. I would encourage them to seek those relationships out. I mean, I think everyone should have an only child friend. So reach out. If I could say one thing to a listener, number one, consider homeschooling your first job and go beyond your comfort level enough to make a schedule. Even if you don't stick to it, write it down. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And I'll reach out and find somebody else to talk to. (laughs) All right. (laughs) See, we're, we're learning. So if you're listening, be encouraged that you can make this work. Reading and spelling are always fun subjects around here. Mom, what does W-H-A-T spell? What? W-H-A-T. What? Exasperated. W-H-A-T. What? Mom, just tell me. W-H-A-T spells what? felt like Abbott and Costello for a minute there. And that's the only funny for today. Thanks for listening to our moms. My mom's Pamela. My mom's Cecile. Thank you, girls. You can teach an only child at home. We hope that you feel encouraged after today's podcast. Please join us next week for our monthly series, Can of Curriculum Worms. And if you have questions, reflections, or feedback, please email us, info at homeschoolforone.com. You can find us on social media or go to our website, homeschoolforone.com, to find a transcription of today's episode. Finally, we want you to know that you matter and you are loved.